into the contest. It's Wednesday, the 27th of April. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. And Shane Lee, my co-host, has travelled to Melbourne. He, he, he was so intrigued by the reaction from Shad Wicker about the coffee in Melbourne. He went to Melbourne to check it out himself. How are you, Shane? I am fantastic, Timmy. I tell you what, the coffee is very good in Melbourne. I don't care what Shad says. I know he may have been going to Starbucks quite a bit, I think, but uh, the coffee is outstanding here. I do report that. And uh, and the food's not bad either. I had a lovely lunch yesterday at Mavita. Oh, Mavita, I'd love it. I reckon I'd uh, be fading away to a block of flats if I lived in Melbourne. The food and coffee's that good. <laughs> All right, we've got a huge show on the way. Surprise new possibility for the English cricket coach. Phil Mickelson signs up with Greg Norman's tournament over there in the Middle East. And plenty of AFL and rugby league. The Osher Group, our motto is winning connections. If you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure, then join the Osher Group where a new world of excitement awaits. Australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth through a strategic, well-managed and data-driven approach. There is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio. So come find us online at www.theoshergroup.com. The Osher Group, our motto is winning connections. Now, Shane, um, Simon Cadditch as English cricket coach, uh, really? Big, big call. Well, he's actually been coaching in the IPL since 2019 uh, Mm. with Bangalore. So is he ready for this job? Look, He's a he's been a fantastic cricketer, very smart guy, uh, very thoughtful. Was a great captain, captain New South Wales uh, and Western Australia. Um, is he ready for this major job? He's probably not just yet, but uh, he's definitely throwing his hat in the ring. Um, he's very very good on the technical side of things too, Tim. But yeah, I, I just don't think he's got enough experience in the longer version of the game as a coach just yet to uh, to take on a major role like coaching England. Yeah, it looks like Gary Kirsten is the favourite from from what I was reading and, and Justin Langer, something's happened there. They've decided to go against him. Yeah, it appears so and I think you know, Justin would have probably been asking for a little bit too much money potentially but also I think that the whole saga around Justin Langer and his body language and his approach in the modern day with the younger players is not sitting well so it, it may cost Justin big time in the future coaching any of these young teams. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they what they do do mm. in the end because they certainly need some help, particularly with the red ball game, don't they? Now, we saw uh, years ago a number of captains uh, lead their teams off the field because of various reasons. Gavaska down in Melbourne, we saw it happen, um, I think it was Illingworth mm. at the SCG. They were in test matches, but what about this latest thing to happen in the IPL? Yeah, it was appalling, I thought. Ishan Pant, the captain uh, of the Delhi side, basically wasn't happy with a call made for a no ball, and he basically walked his two batsmen off the field um, in protest, and... Uh, and the game was abandoned, and uh, you know a lot of players who are watching the match. It's just appalling. And look, and I totally agree. You're never bigger than the game itself. So, yeah, frustrating there. But um, particularly with the Indian players, local in the IPL, to walk his team off the paddock, not a good look. Bit of golf around this morning, and a lot of it's got to do with Greg Norman. I, I watched that doco the other day, the Thirty for Thirty, the Shark or Shark, it's called. If you get the opportunity, and you've You've got Fox at home. Watch it. It's an absolute ripper. Uh, he's got his one wood out again, and um, 
<laughs> no, quite literally. He's got his one wood out. Uh, and uh, he wants to play in the, the, the Open Championship, the British Open, which he's won twice, of course. Yeah, but he's 67 years of age now and uh, hasn't played professional golf for 12 years. It may have something to do with Timmy with this whole league he's trying to put together. And uh, look, there's no way they'll actually let him, I think, participate because he'll be there trying to poach players for his own league. So... One thing Greg Norman is, is a great promoter, great self-promoter, and uh, he knows how to put his name up in lights again and doing it as usual. Oh, he's a clever businessman. He's made mm. millions and millions, hasn't he, Greg Norman? There's little question of that. And uh, look, Phil Mickelson looks like uh, the signature has happened for him to go to Norman's Breakaway Golf League. He's uh, Look, there's been a couple of um, you know roadblocks in the way, but he's just charging ahead, and this is good news for him and what he's trying to do. Well, big time. And uh, as we said to me a few weeks ago, he has $3 billion in the war chest to go and get these players. And and one by one, he'll pick him off. And uh, it looks like Mickelson's the first one to say, I'll give it a go. Yeah, I wonder if I should go practice again. Um, yeah, big time. <laughs> so <laughs> much money in golf. <laughs> so much money. There's going to be a huge crowd, biggest crowd ever, they reckon, um, for the 150th anniversary of the Open Championship at St Andrews. I've had the opportunity, like you have, to be there a few times. Mm. Uh, it's an amazing place. And, um, yeah, these crowds, uh, nearly 300,000 they're expecting. Yeah, 290,000 in total. The, the former record there was 237,000. Um, but they've already had 1.3 million ticket applications uh, for the 150th. So it's a big, big number. Golf is right up there at the moment, Tim. It's uh, very, very popular. And I think uh, this is the home of golf, uh, the traditional home of golf. And uh, 150-year celebration will be a huge one. Yeah, and I think it's, it continues to be this theme right around the world with sport coming back, crowds coming back, that people just mm. want to go. They want to go and see sport. They want to go and see live music. So, um, yeah, huge crowds at St Andrews for the 150th. Uh, imagine if Cameron Smith won it after his performance at the Masters. Let's mm. hope so. Now, um, Ange Postacoglu just uh, gets better and better. He's one step closer. Uh, they had another 2-0 win. Celtic did over uh, Ross Country, which still gets them now six mm. points clear. Basically, if they beat um, the Rangers, their, their rivals, in the next match, that would almost certain, um, certainly give them the, the title. And uh, what a huge season it will be for Ange and his Celtic boys. Yeah, absolutely. Hasn't he just done amazing things over there, Ange Postacoglu? They're calling it Ange Ball. Stay with us because we'll be talking AFL, NRL, soccer and much, much more. Now, the AFL, um, Jeff Brown, the, the chairman of Collingwood, and we've seen the Swans as well, they're, they're coming out saying, look, we want a firm fixture. We want to know who we're playing when rather than this rolling fixture. And, and of course, it needed to be that way because of COVID and everything else. But I get this. I understand this. When you've got fans, and you saw last Monday how many people were at the ground, um, you want to give them some certainty as to who you're playing. 100%. And, and the big thing, as you said to me, it was all around COVID where they had to almost just announce in small batches when these matches were to be played. But, you know, both Collywood and the Swans, you need to know for your fans because it involves travelling and it might organize, uh, involve organising flights to get to these matches um, and, and to plan your, your weeks ahead. And, you know, it's, it's really, really tough. A lot of these clubs have done it pretty tough through COVID because they didn't have a lot of people showing up, so they lost money uh, in revenue. And um, they now want to secure and, and lock this away because... 
people want to go back to the footy, so fair enough too. Now, this was ridiculous. Uh, Corey Horsburgh for Canberra blowing bubbles during the last post. He's come out and apologised, but you do wonder what goes through some people's head um, to be doing that. And, you know, as you're lining up to play in a game for Canberra against Penrith uh, on such a solemn day in the Australian calendar. Yeah, it's just, it's, 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 I know it's mind blowing that someone could um, not understand the enormity of, of what they're there for, a footy game. And to, you know, you're on TV as well when, when this is happening and the, and the TV camera's going in front of your face and you blow a bubble. Just disrespectful and appalling. Interesting mix. Mike Tyson and Jake Paul, they, they basically only have to stand in front of a camera and they both get uh, headlines. This is an interesting story. Well, interesting because if it happens, uh, they could break all records here. They're saying that he brings 80 million people. There could be four, 4.56 million uh, pay-per-views, um, which would mean probably the biggest payday that, uh, that Iron Mike ever had. So I can understand why he wants to do it. I can't believe Jake Paul would want to fight him. <laughs> Mate, mate, I wouldn't get in the line to line up for to go to go the tour with um, with him. He, he still looks like he could throw him. And uh, but this guy is a great promoter. That Jake Paul, that's for sure. Mm, he scares me from another postcode. Uh, I and Mike Tyson. <laughs> I remember doing some stories on a few of his fights. And now um, the NBA. Look, uh, Ben Simmons. It looks like the the saga's over for at least this season. Um, the Nets uh, have imploded, and you know in the playoffs. So we're not going to see him. Um, hopefully, he can get fit. He'll come back. Um, but yeah, what what a what a chapter in his life. There's almost a doco series. Yeah, well, frustrating. I think you know, and the, the Nets performed so poorly in the playoffs. They're out now. They lost four four zip, and uh, they've kept him on ice. Look, I think the good thing is they try to encourage him and sort of keep him in the framework to keep the fans happy, sort of to ease him into his new role. But uh, yeah, next season he'll, he'll have a big off season now, and they'll have to regroup, and he'll come back and hopefully get his injuries right, and and hopefully start with the team next season. Shaquille O'Neal, not easy to grow up in his house. Well, not if you're – I think he's got three sons and I think two or three daughters, and he said basically when his mm. sons turn 18, they're out. Get, get out, he said. You can fend for yourselves, but his daughters, they can stay as long as they want. <laughs> Which, it's, uh, it's, quite, it's quite sweet. I think a lot of stuff he's saying tongue-in-cheek, but uh, pretty harsh on the boys. Get out. Oh, it is a little tough. It's sort of uh, you know, they they do grow up with a lot more kids these days than they ever did. But uh, Shaquille O'Neal, it'd be hard to argue with him when he's like seven foot twenty. Um, yeah, the mighty Shaq. Now um, to finish off today, um, three very intriguing, interesting names in the world of cricket. Two of them no longer with us. It's hard to believe. Dean Jones, Shane Warne, and the great. David Boone. Well, being in Melbourne, I bumped into someone last night, and I won't reveal the name because they asked me not to uh, to say um, to mention that where the story came from. But it was a, a very good friend of mine that was at Warney's um, tribute, uh, his sort of yeah. service, and the great David Boone was mentioning um, after a couple of glasses of red wine that fifty-two was a significant number. That Warney was fifty-two when he passed away. He said that Dean Jones, the other great Victorian. Um, played 52 tests, and Booney said, and then there's me, I drank 52 stubbies on the way to England. <laughs> this is a very significant number, 52. And the person that was had this story told him by David Booney, he didn't know whether he was joking or laughing or trying to make light of it, but uh, yeah, there you go, 52, very important, according to Booney. Yeah, well, I suppose, um, I suppose in life, particularly in Australian, laconic uh, humour, you've got to find you know, a joke in most things. Exactly right, but uh, all legends of the game, and uh, I, what, 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 did, what was said around the service is that it was a fantastic day, and everyone shared really good memories and uh, celebrated Warney accordingly. Yeah.
That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. Big thank you to our sponsors. Yes, Timmy. Thank you to the Osher Group. Yeah, absolutely. Thoroughbred ownership. I love the horses myself. Big thank you to our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. We're back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Join us for our Afternoon Sport Racing Bulletin brought to you by Bluebet. What I'm backing and why. Tim Gilbert is joined by racing journalist Matt Jones and professional punter Brad Miller discussing which horses they'll be betting on this weekend and why. Catch the show Friday afternoons ready for your weekend of punting. Subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast app, What I'm Backing and Why. Happy punting.